Praise the Lord. <clears throat> good to be here. Good to be in the house of the Lord. I appreciate the spirit of the Lord. I know we have grief share going on. Some are working in, in a variety of areas with the children and with others uh, getting ready for the drama that's coming up before we know it. And we hope you will invite someone and get a uh, register for them and give away a ticket and encourage somebody to come. It's a Friday night and a Saturday at uh, I think one or so and then uh, in, and then seven uh, on Saturday and then of course we have Easter Sunday morning only. Uh, but we, <clears throat> the, I appreciate all of those working in so many areas and working with our kids and trying to get them excited and they will hopefully remember the story of the Lord and uh, remember all of this as we, uh, this Easter story, which is a, a powerful, powerful story. And I, I, I spoke, uh, <clears throat> started a couple of weeks ago, and I have been uh, trying to separate <clears throat> my mind from my Monday night class and yet the, th the themes are dovetailing together, as you would imagine, because I only have one mind and it's not always uh, the sharpest. So um, it's, it's like I'm trying to uh, keep some of that separate. But I was talking about, and I spoke on a Sunday morning and then kind of followed on a Sunday evening and Wednesday about the burnt offerings and <clears throat> about... Um, the um, basically the f five offerings and those being found in the book of Leviticus and how um, you had chapter one was about the burnt offering and everything was burned on the altar and chapter two is about what is in the King James Version it calls it meat offering, but actually there was no animal flesh offered. It was all meal, and uh, that's just from the translation of the old English is um, how they translated it as meat, but it was meal, and it involved <coughs> several uh, aspects. And then, of course, and I'm, I don't I know it can be overwhelming to try to study all of this. And then the peace offering was sort of the third main offering. And those were all voluntary offerings. They, you did them of your own free will. Burn offering, <clears throat> meal offering, peace offering. Now, if you came in and you had sinned, or uh, that's meaning, you know, you knew you had you were a sinner, you had sinned, you had, you, um, you knew I need uh, forgiveness uh, for the judgment of sin, um, then you would first offer a sin offering and then you could choose to offer a burnt offering. The first offering you would offer would be a sin offering. Uh, if you had trespassed, that would mean that you uh, needed forgiveness. And now you may say, um, what is the main difference? And just to kind of give you a thumbnail sketch is we are all sinners. Amen? All sinners, for all have sinned and come short of the glory. And so, and yet, if you got mad at somebody today and let your mouth fly off, then that's a trespass. You, you see what I'm saying? You actually trespassed against someone. You, you can say, well, yes, I'm a sinner. We all hide behind I am a sinner. And um, if I were to say, how many are sinners? Yes. How many have trespassed today? I don't want to ask that question. And I don't want, I'm not trying to get you to confess your trespasses. But, you know, the trespass is when you, you know, you know you did it. You crossed the line. And, uh, you know, what's funny is, you know, that 
sense of, well, God be merciful to me, a sinner. That's one thing, but when you trespass, you got to go, Lord, let me tell you, I know what I did. Here's what I said. Here's how I acted. Here was what was wrong with my attitude. Here was, and that's kind of getting right down into it. You, you understand what I'm saying? And then, of course, uh, you could uh, offer a burn offering or meal offering or uh, a peace offering. And all of those five uh, were mentioned in the Old Testament. And uh, I know, uh, for those of you who are worried, I am not suggesting that we have to start making sacrifices on fire and offer lambs and that that's our way to go. I, I am not suggesting that at all. What I am suggesting is that Christ became the, the fulfillment of all of those offerings. But how are we going to serve Christ? How do I serve Christ? Uh, you know, because in that sense was this was God's food. And I, I realize that that's a, a little bit of a different concept because it is that recognition that this was the food for the Lord. Now, um, it, it covers that in Leviticus and in Numbers and, and so forth, that it was the food. In the New Testament, of course, Jesus became uh, the uh, food, if you will. And I was talking to our class on Monday night, and uh, there were just a few of us there and some online, and I don't want to I don't want to confuse you. We're going to stay with the offerings, and I'm not going to talk about it, but the first real food that we were supposed to eat all the way back to the garden, the Lord said, you can eat of all the trees, but specifically I want you to eat of the tree of life. Everybody say life. And what did Adam and Eve decide to eat from? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And yet the Lord wanted them to partake of the tree of life. And the tree of life was a type of God himself. They were wanting, he wanted them to partake of this life. Okay? Now that's amazing because they chose rather to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what does the Bible say about knowledge? It kind of I know, I know what's best for me. I know, I know, I know the church always said, but I, I, you don't know. I know, I, you don't know me. I can handle this. I know what I need to do. I know, it's not going to get me. I know. Anybody ever heard those words? Oh, I know, I, but I know, I know, Pastor, why you say don't do this, but, but you don't know. I can handle it. I can And I get to feeling like, and yet Jesus said, eat me, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And we talk about that in communion and we celebrate the Lord's Supper and all those wonderful things. And I'm, uh, you know, sometimes people ask, well, why don't you celebrate communion more often? And I could, I could do it every Sunday. It just would be so long, I guess we get we do it a couple times a year. We could do it whenever. The Bible doesn't give us a, a time limit. It says as often as you do it, as often as you do it. <clears throat> but the first real meal that involved the Passover lamb was found in Exodus the twelfth chapter. And if you remember, they took the lamb, and there was one lamb per household, and the first thing they did was cut its throat, and they took the blood, 
And what did they do with the blood? Put the blood on the doorpost, on the top and on the sides. And they had the external covering of the house. Because when the death angel came, when I see the blood, I will pass over. All right? Then do you know what they did with the rest of that lamb? They skinned it and they ate it. And they ate the entire lamb with bitter herbs and with all these other things. And they ate the lamb. So that first meal of the Passover lamb was for the external and for the internal. And this, the offerings, some of them were for totally for God. Some of them were also for the people. And so the meal offering was one of those. So when you look at um, the, the Bible talks about sanctify them through thy truth. And that word truth means reality or means complete honesty, complete being open before God, opening yourself up to God, opening yourself up to letting the presence of the Lord. If a person does not do this, guess what? God will not force his way on us. It's up to me. It's up to me to ingest God. It's up to me to read the Bible. Up to me to pray. Up to me to worship. Up to me to raise my hands. Up to me to consume God. I can sit here and I can sit in a red hot service and people all around me swinging from the chandeliers and running up the walls and across the ceiling and... If I'm not willing, it's a voluntary thing. It is not going to happen. I have to be the one to consume it. You may say, well, pastor, I, you know, I don't understand. I don't have a, I don't have that kind of relationship with God like you do. I don't, I don't get all of that, uh, you know, you know, woo feeling. I don't feel all of that. Well, that's, have you been consuming him? The Bible is very clear in the New Testament. He says, they that hunger and... If you just kind of sit there and you're not really hungry for God, you're not really thirsty for God, you're not want more of God, and we all have stories, many of them even in our families, where people reached a point where they were desperate, hungry, desiring God. And they were seeking, it didn't matter, they might have been in another religion, they may have not known about, but they were hungry for more of God. Okay? And, and we go, wow, look, God opened up, revealed himself. Let him bump into somebody. Let him ask somebody. You know, all of a sudden, somebody sees him. David Barrett, uh, <clears throat> whose dad and mom came from India to Australia. <clears throat> Some cowboy, I put that in princess, from Kentucky, had felt a call to go to Western Australia to Perth. And so he's sitting there in a cafe one morning and sees a guy from India and he says, starts up a conversation with him. And yet didn't know that man's been hungry. And we have people that have visited our church. They're just talking to about a, a lady that came just the other few last few Sundays who was just, I got on the internet. I started searching. I started seeking. Well, you say, well, what are you talking about, pastor? I'm talking about the Bible is very clear. If you are hungry, 
If you are thirsty, what is the Lord going to say? Come and dine. Is that Sister Connie back? Huh? Praise the Lord. We've been praying for Sister Connie Glover. Lord, bless her. Lord, bless her. Give her a hand. She has been in Malaysia and uh, <clears throat> been there for uh, several weeks. And it's good to see Sister Connie here. Lord, bless her. And uh, I'm good to have all of you. But the point is that this is then up to me. It is up to me to seek after God, to hunger, hunger, and thirst, and, and, and so forth. And yet the Lord said, and he said things like, you know, in John the sixth chapter, that uh, this was um, that I, I am the bread of life, and uh, this is um, what I am, and I am uh, all of these things. Now, when you look at Leviticus, the second chapter, this meal was ground fine, and then what did you do? You poured oil on it. And then you had this fine flour, and you had oil. Then you had frankincense, and then you had fire, and so forth. Now, uh, as you continued on, and we read this a week or so ago, you could make, uh, you offered it, and you gave some to God. It became a sweet-smelling savor. So I talked to you before about fine flour, fine flour or green corn, oil, frankincense, and salt, but no leaven or honey. Fine flour represents our humanity. It comes from the earth. It's wheat ground several times and sifted or tender corn. And you remember what Isaiah said that, you know, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, a root out of the dry ground. No form, no comeliness. We shall see him. There is no beauty. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we beheld, we hid our faces from him. For, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrow. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. It was like Jesus was taking every blow. He was being ground up. He was being beaten. And all of that was for one reason. So that we would have a meal offering. So that we would be able to come into his presence. And, of course, you know, you can't have lived for God very long without at some point in time, feeling the sifting. And a lot of times, the devil tries to make you think, oh, well, you're going through it. That, that means you're not where you need to be in God. What do you mean? You're going through the sifting. You're going through the grinding. And I know probably nobody in here has ever said, well, that grinds me up or that just grinds me or grinds me to powder. Hmm? Probably y'all never heard that. That's a southern thing. Urgh. And then you don't say things like, well, that burns me up. Guess what else this sacrifice had? After you got ground up, you got burned up. Oh, praise the Lord. I must be doing something wrong. No, maybe I'm offering a meal to God. Because what? Because in the midst of the grinding and in the midst of the burning, I'm still worshiping, I'm still praising, I'm still worshiping God, I'm still thanking God. And it's, the Lord says, oh, smell that. Oh, that smells sweet. Mm, that's an offering that I love. Say, so, well, I, I want to offer God <clears throat> when I am, everything's going wonderful. You remember what he, Jesus told Simon, Simon, the devil has tried to sift you 
like wheat. Simon later talked about that the trial of your faith being more precious than gold that tries though it be tried with fire might be found unto what? Praise and honor and glory. So the more you get sifted, the more you should praise. The more you get sifted, the more you should honor God. And the devil wants you to go, I don't understand, God, why you are being so mean. Why, God? Why, God? I don't get it, God. And what the Lord is trying to do is say, I'm grinding you, and I'm going to show the devil. I'm going to show him, look, I can, this, this person, the more I grind them, the more they praise, the more they... What sometimes I'm guilty of is I praise when the miracle is there, when it's a good report. Huh? When it's not a good report, I come in with my, you know, my bottom lip hanging so low it looks like I'm wearing a turtleneck. Barely hold my hands up. I can barely praise. I can barely... Simon said that the trial of your faith might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom you <clears throat> trust, whom you love, even though you don't see him, yet believing and rejoice with joy unspeakable. And full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. And I realize, whenever I'm suffering, when I'm sick, I'm a baby. I want to be babied. I want, oh, bring me just a little bit of soup, a broth. I'm sick. <laughs> When we go through our suffering, we get self-centered. It's normal. I get sick, Sister Bit. <laughs> you got any ribbles? Sister Melissa, I could sure love some noodles. Oh. I'm probably the only one that kind of acts that way. But I'm just telling you, when we get to, when we get to suffering, <clears throat> and yet in Jesus' moments of being self-centered, if you will, of suffering, you remember he was in the garden and the soldiers came and they said, he said, whom are you seeking? And what did Jesus say? When they go, he said, Jesus of Nazareth. And you know what he said? I am he. And when he just uttered, I am, which was the name of God, what happened to the soldiers? Boom, they fell, they hit the ground. I don't know how long they lasted there. Jesus knew what they wanted. They were fixing to come. His long night of torture and beatings and mockery. He knew what was coming. I don't know about you. I, you know, I, of course, never had to live through a night like Jesus endured. But I can't imagine going through it if I could get out of it. I'm not sadistic. If I could have called 10,000 angels, guess what? There would have been 20,000. You understand? I wouldn't have wanted to suffer. I'm just talking about me, not you. And yet, they woke up, got up, dusted off, and so he asked him again, 
John the 18th chapter, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And what did Jesus say? He said, I have told you, I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these others go. All of a sudden, he was not, he was worried about his disciples. Knowing what he was going to face. I would have been saying, I told you I am he. Guys, you need to stay with me and pray because this is going to be hard. Huh? I want all y'all to gather around me and ask the Lord to give me strength. Huh? I want my name on the prayer list and I want a special bulletin and I want everybody. And we do it and I'm glad and I'm not mad about it. I'm just telling you, that's how I want to respond. And I believe in praying, and I believe in, I'm thankful when people call in and say, pray, and it's emergency. We'll send out a prayer report. We'll send out a request. But guess what? Jesus was going through, going to be the long night of suffering, and he said, go ahead and leave me. Let them go. Later, the 19th chapter, and you know, and he's on the cross, and he says, woman, behold thy son and son, behold thy mother, it was amazing that he would have that kind of concern for his mother. Now, of course, the oil, and the oil represents the Spirit of God. It's poured on the flower. And the flower, the humanity, and the oil, which is the Spirit, were mingled, which they came together. They couldn't be separated, but they were still distinct. And <clears throat> there were times when Christ, I put here, acted like a God-man, a God man when he cried and when he got thirsty and when he got hungry and etc. But yet we know he was all God. He was all spirit. And so the Bible says that he was in fact conceived by the Holy Ghost. So the father was really the spirit. So when, we, when you look at the oil, it is a type of the spirit. When Jesus was baptized, there was a, a dove that came down, and there was a voice, and people go, oh, that must mean there's more than one. And no, it, it didn't mean there was more than one. It was just that, that there was this anointing, this special anointing. And Psalms 92 said, my horn shall be like the horn of a unicorn, meaning of strength, and I shall be anointed with fresh oil. So, immediately, and I've had people turn to that verse and say, see there, the Bible's not true. It's, uh, there are no unicorns, no history of unicorns. And I tell them, you know, that's a poem. You know, <clears throat> you can't use that to try to, the Lord wasn't saying five unicorns were playing in the rain. David just said it's like the strength of a unicorn, one powerful horn, and uh, so forth. So when you read, when you keep reading Matthew, the third chapter, I mentioned when Jesus was baptized, Matthew, the 23rd chapter, when he said, uh, I send the prophets. And why, why was, was uh, this important? Because this was the frankincense. The frankincense was um, like that, which was represents worship. It's a sweet woody, earthy smell that pointed to the resurrection. And Jesus talked about his resurrection repeatedly. And in Matthew, the 23rd chapter, he talked about the resurrection. In John, the second chapter, whenever he talked about my house shall be a house of prayer, they, they quoted the zeal of his house has eaten him up which is from Psalm 69, which talks about how they gave me gall for meat and for vinegar to drink. And there were uh, strangers and aliens. And all of this was pointing to the resurrection. Salt, it was the salt of the covenant, was a preservative. It kills germs. It stops rotting, you know. Uh, used to be the only way when there was no refrigeration to preserve meat was to have salt it and to have it, put it in a smokehouse and salt it and put it in a brine and then hang it up. And because salt will stop the rotting, it, it represents death. And Jesus had that very same uh, understanding whenever, you know, they would say, 
we want to sit one on your left and one on your right. What did Jesus say? He said, you don't realize what you're asking. I'm going to be baptized with a cup that you, I'm going to drink from a cup I'm not sure you can drink from. And I know, I put here on this page that, that sometimes maybe people that are trying to live for God can act like a Debbie Downer. But you remember when Jesus was on his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. He's coming in, in a, on a donkey and what is everybody doing? Hosanna! What does that mean? Salvation! Jesus! Hosanna! Salvation has come! Hosanna! Son of David! They're worshiping, praising. He's the king! And in John the 12th chapter, you read it, on the next day, they took these branches, they went out and cried and said, Hosanna, blessed is he, the king of Israel that comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus answered, them. And what did he say? At last you figured it out. I am awesome. What did he say? The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Truly I say unto you, except a corn of wheat, fall into the ground and die. He knew <laughs> it's not going to be this kind of triumph. I wish it would be like this. My I wish I just went from, yes, I'm walking on water every day. Living for God is just so amazing. And I know when, when you first get the Holy Ghost, you just think, oh man, it is so wonderful. It is so powerful. Oh, I love it. And then you go through a few things and some of you have lived for God long enough to know that, okay, except you deny yourself, take up your cross. Huh? And we don't want to be a downer to them. When they're new converts, we go, man, yeah, let's rejoice with them. I mean, please don't, when they come up out of the water talking in tongues, don't go, well, it's going to get bad. Don't tell them that. Because surely by now you know he gets sweeter as the... It doesn't mean that it's going to be all mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop. He says, He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life. So, the Lord knew I'm going to have to suffer. He wasn't fooled by this. He wasn't like, oh, guess what? This is going to work. I'm the king. Everybody's going to accept me. He knew. I'm sorry. I know I'm the king. I'm coming in the name of the Lord. I want him to cry Hosanna, but it ain't going to be happening next week. Next week, I'm going to have to go through something. And so, it, you know, you have to be able to have that kind of, you know, recognition that sometimes what people fail to understand is they think immediately, well, I must be out of the will of God. I must not be doing what's right. I must be bad because I'm being ground up, because I'm being fires. I'm going through the fire. That doesn't mean you're not doing good. It's how am I going to respond to that? <clears throat> All of those ingredients had to be touched by fire, not for judgment, but for acceptance or, or consumption. 
you know, I, I mean, I know you're, Husband or wife may burn the toast every day. <clears throat> but I remember when that happened and the toaster went a little nuts, and my mother just got a knife. I could still taste it. Scrape, 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 scrape. I'd say, Mom. This tastes burnt. She said, it'll make you sing pretty. I don't know if that was scientific or not, but I ate it. I asked for extra jelly. Cut the burnt taste. But the burning, <clears throat> you know, I mean, I don't eat too many raw eggs. But you know what? Let them touch the fire a little bit. They're they're pretty good. <laughs> so the Bible talks in Deuteronomy, the Lord is a consuming fire. And then in Hebrews says the same thing, for the Lord is a consuming fire. Then the two elements that were not supposed to be in this offering was leaven, and what is leaven a type of? Sin. Why? Because it puffs up. It's like the tree of knowledge. I know what's best. I know what I can handle. I understand. You don't get it. You're old fogey. You're some other generation. You're out of it. What you do and not apply to me, I've heard it all I've lived long enough to hear it from the next generation. Papa, you don't understand. I can do it. I can jump from this couch to that ottoman and not get hurt. I can lean back in this chair and I won't fall over. And I say, maybe not this time, but let me just tell you, you're taking a chance. And sure enough, before too many days, wham! Huh? Oh, what happened? Well, you knew more than I did. I've not been alive that long. You got it. So it, it's not, oh, well, they're just rebellious and mean. and <clears throat> This leaven, and Jesus called out the Pharisees and Sadducees and Herod, and he said, you're not supposed to have leaven. The other thing that they weren't supposed to have was honey. Now, why? Honey you, is sweet. Anybody? Ever put honey on a biscuit? Put honey in your tea? Honey is sweet. Leaven produces this swelling and gas. But honey, and I know people say, well, you know, you can leave it out, and if it's 100% honey, and it can harden, and you can boil it, and yet it is considered a part of natural affection or normal earthly response. It comes from bees. It's an earthly response to flowers. And what are you saying? You can't let earthly responses get in the way of your relationship to God. That's why the Lord would say things like, Leave your, your father, your mother. It wasn't said you have to divorce them, but it was saying is those relationships can't be more important than this one. And you say, but it's sweet, it's nice. I understand, and, and I 
<clears throat> I get it. <clears throat> the leaven <clears throat> was <clears throat> talked about. And you remember one time they came to Jesus <clears throat> and they said, uh, Jesus, your mom and your family, they're outside and they want to talk to you because they think you're a little bit nuts. And you know what Jesus said? Who is my mother? Who are my brother? Now we just read earlier tonight that on the cross he said, Behold your mother, behold your son. He knew who they were, but what he was trying to show these disciples is that if they're trying to stop me from what I'm doing, that relationship is not more important. And he said, Behold my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven the same is my mother, my brother, my sister. And I've seen people that are so consumed with, I want, I want my mom, I want my dad, I want my family, I want them to like me. That I, You know what, who the most important person is that likes you? Sure, I want my wife to like me. I want my children to like me. I want my grandchildren to like me. But you know what? If <clears throat> one of them goes nuts and says, I'm sorry, I don't want to have anything to do with you as long as you go to church, as long as you live for God, as long as you worship and praise God, I'm going to have to say, babe, I love you. We'll have to figure something out. But that's not more important. And I know you can get into fights. Now, nobody in here fights each other. And everybody in this church loves one another all the time. 100% of the time. Nobody's ever gotten angry and frustrated with anybody. I got it. Not talking about our church, but I'm talking about Paul and Barnabas. You remember old Paul and Barnabas? They were a team. They were a ministry team. They were an evangelistic team. Two preachers full of the Holy Ghost, preaching the gospel, living for God, had transformations. And Barnabas said... Let's take John Mark. Now, John Mark, according to Colossians, was in some way related to Barnabas. Some people believe that he was his nephew. Some say he was his cousin, his sister's son. I don't know if he was nephew, sister's son. But the Bible identifies that there was a relationship with Barnabas. So Barnabas takes his, let's, let's call it nephew, Says, let's get my nephew to go. And you remember what happened on the missionary trip? John Mark started wimping out. I'm tired. I'm lonely. I'm homesick. I don't want to be here. This is, I want to go home. I don't like it. This is tough. I thought it was going to be all casting out devils and walking on water. And they put him on the next boat back home. Well, they, got, they came back and they were telling everybody. And you all know the stories. What happened? Barnabas said, hey, let's take my nephew again. He wants to go. They got so, Paul, there was such a contention that arose the honey, the good earthly relationship soured. 
You know what they did? Paul said, you go with John Mark. I'll go with Silas. Y'all go your way. I'm going mine. Barnabas took Mark. So, you know, you say, well, nobody's ever hurt my feelings. Nobody's ever gotten under my skin. Nobody's ever done me wrong. I can't relate. I get it. But later on, when Paul was in prison, he talks about, you know what? If there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any bowels of mercy, fulfill you my love. And he goes on, don't let things be done through strife and vainglory. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not on the things of, of of yourself, but on others. Let this bind be in you, which is in Christ. And, and he says, in Corinthians, he says, don't get puffed up. And don't allow, you know, don't allow yourself to get arrogant. Now, he's writing all this. He said, because you can get leaven, and a little leaven leavens a whole lump. He was quoting basically from what uh, Jesus said when he said, love your enemies, do good. And later on, Paul says, you know what? Bring John Mark. And he reconciled, and he said, I, he, he's, he's a good guy. Now, what are you saying? Can people get nuts? Yes. Anybody? Not us, but I'm talking about Paul. Can get out of, you know. Yet he knew all the right things. Love your enemies. Do good. Be kind. Jesus went on to say, you know, pray for them which despitefully use you. Bless them that curse you. Smile and wave cheerfully to those that flip you off. Huh? Say a prayer for them. They've obviously had a bad day. Ooh. That burns me up, Pastor. Oh, I want to be a sweet-smelling saver. What else did Jesus say unto him that smites on one cheek? Tell him, look, you got one, but don't, don't even go there. They ask for your coat, give them your cloak. Give to every man. Now, what does that mean? That everybody that calls you and wants you to buy their goods, no, or wants you to invest, no, it's not what he was meaning. But he was talking about loving them, loving them, being thankful for them. He said, if you just love those that love you, you're no better than a sinner. Because sinners love people that love them. But what is this? We're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to do good to them which not just do good to us, but you know what? We're supposed to do good and bless. And I've had people say, I don't, I, don't, I don't deserve this. This is not fair. This isn't right. This isn't the way it should be done. Somebody needs to do something. And all I can say is, I'm sorry. You're spoiling your own meal. Because if you can't keep coming and worshiping and praising and magnifying God, I don't want to see him. I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to. I, I get it. And, uh, you know, it's nice that we have other churches you can slip off and go to somewhere else. But I'm going to tell you, just between me and you, and don't ever even tell anyone I said this, but if somebody in this church offends you, I'll just guarantee you dollars to donuts that somebody in another church will too. I, I, you can put that in the bank. And it's not Silicon Valley Bank. This one, 
You can bank on it. Because when you start in getting offended, you say, well, can I go to another church? Sure, you can go to another church. I'm not, that's not my point in that. Is, but guess what? When you put those offended glasses on, before long, everything offends you. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying, make sure you go with your heart full of love, joy, and peace. Why? Because I can promise you, that's not, not talking about anybody. Take this sermon and say, I'm going to play this for five of my worst enemies. Please don't. You've missed the point. It's not about them. It's about me. Huh? Lord, keep me clean. Keep me cleaned out. Grind me. Fire me up. I want to be. Say, well, pastor, I, I can tell you who pastor was preaching about tonight. I'm going to tell you who he was preaching about. He was preaching about himself. You can take a blurb and send it to somebody and just stir up trouble if you want to, but that's not what this is about. This is about being a good offering to God. You know who that falls back on? This one right here. Oh, I love the Lord, don't you? Hallelujah. You know, and, and we won't try to spend as long on peace offering. Most of the same elements were in the peace offering and in the, in the trespass offering, sin offering. We'll go another direction next Wednesday. But I just want you to know what a privilege it is to serve the Lord some meals. Ooh, hallelujah. Let's, let's stand.